We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Abner Mares is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, a dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him into the boxer and the man he is today. On the podcast, they're going to talk about topics like sports, music, and culture, being a husband and a girl dad, Abner's American dream, and his journey from a kid on the streets to a boxing champion. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes are out in English on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish are out on Wednesdays. It's the newest podcast from Blue Wire. Go check that out. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Lays it in. Zach Levine does it again. The The crossover. Levine. Get out the way, Trey Young. What's going on, everyone? This is Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here, as always, with Jason Pat. Jason, we have no real news to talk about with the Bulls, but we do have the NBA draft inching closer, only about a month out right now. It's been a minute since me and you have talked about the draft, so uh, I think we're going to get into some uh, some draft discussion today. Yeah, let's do it. The draft, again, is scheduled for November 18th, and if you somehow forgot, the Bulls currently have the number four pick. Whether they actually make the number four pick, we'll see, but we will talk about that kind of stuff and some of the rumors that are out there. We'll talk some mock drafts. Uh, so I guess to start, let's just kind of, Ricky, as, as the resident draft expert here, over these last couple months, since we've talked, we, uh, you mentioned we haven't talked draft in a while, is there, what is your kind of gut feeling about what, where the Bulls are going to go? Anything you've heard? Anything you've done in your scouting that you've seen? Any, like, any players that you, like, have really just, like, popped out to you? Anybody you definitely, like, don't want them to take? I know you don't like James Weissman. I know you, you mocked Killian Hayes in your first mock draft that you did. Uh, so just just your general kind of draft thoughts for the Bulls uh, what and what you've kind of gathered over the last month or two. I think the most exciting thing for Bulls fans going into this is that it's a totally new process. And not only are the Bulls going to get a really exciting new young player 
with wherever they pick, if it's number four, if it's sooner, if it's later, uh, the Bulls are going to get a you know a blue chip prospect in this draft to build around for the future. And we're also going to get another data point on what Arturis Karnishevis is like, because up to this point, all we really have is the Billy Donovan hire to go off of, right? Like there's not too much information on him. Uh, you know, you can look back at what the Nuggets have done the last few years, but he certainly was not the lead voice for that team. So he was, you know, part of a collective that helped build the Nuggets into a Western Conference finalist this year. Uh, so I think that we still don't know a ton about AK and uh, this draft pick will give us some insight into what his thought process is like and how he's going to help rebuild the bowl. So uh, in terms of like, if I heard anything, if I, uh, you know, discovered anything new, well, I'll say that this draft cycle is the longest running draft cycle ever <laughs> because <laughs> of the pandemic and because, you know, the the bubble and the draft got pushed back a couple months uh, and so, no, I feel like my scouting on this draft has been done for a long time. I need to constantly remind myself of the stats and uh, some of the narratives. But uh, I haven't really thought anything new from the day the Bulls got the fourth pick. I wanted them to take Killian Hayes with that number four pick. And I thought that most likely their pick would come down between Denny of Deja or Obi Toppin. And I still kind of feel that way. It'll be Denny or Obi. Uh, I have no new insight into this whatsoever. So that's just pure speculation. Don't take it as even in informed speculation. And from what we're reading uh, in this run up to the draft, Jason, it seems like everyone is pretty much in the same boat. Everyone's like, yeah. well, we don't know what AK and Eversley are going to do, but I guess we'll find out soon. So I think we're all sort of flying in the dark on this. And that's part of what makes it so exciting. Right. You mentioned the like the, how we really don't know like how AK is going to operate. Sam Vecini at The Athletic in his most recent rock, mock draft basically reported just that. Like Everybody around the league isn't really sure like what he's going to do with this core. Is he going to keep them together? Is he going to try to break things up already? Or is he try to like, make a move? Like We just don't really know. And like Even like looking at, like you mentioned Denny and Obi Toppin, you look at uh, Sam's mock draft, he uh, has the Bulls taking Denny. Uh, I believe it was Jeremy Wood, SI, also has the Bulls taking Denny. And they both basically gave like the same... Uh, well, you know, like AK's got the like the international experience, so like they're just going to assume that they're going to take the international guy. Obviously, Killian Hayes would kind of fall into that as well. But I mean, both of them just kind of looking at, at it that way. Which I mean, which I think like for what we do know, again, we don't know much. Like that does make sense. Like the Bulls could use a versatile forward playmaker type, and obviously, we have talked a bit about Denny, and while he might not have like the highest ceiling in the world, like he's now he's no Luka Doncic. Like anyone trying to make those comparisons is crazy, but like. It's, it seems like he'd be the type of player AK would take, like ball, like ball movement, versatile forward type. Like it seems like it would make sense. But yeah, I mean, so I did a thing over at Bloggable, just kind of recapping some of these mock drafts that we've seen. I mentioned the Athletic and Sports Illustrated both had Denny. Uh, we do uh, the Ringer has Killian Hayes going to the Bulls, and uh, Kevin. That's Kevin O'Connor who does great draft coverage over at the Ringer. He actually has. Uh, Killian Hayes is his number one prospect in this draft, which I think you would, I don't know if you think he's number one, but uh, clearly very, very high on him. You you guys both are high on him. And then there's been some Obi Toppin love out there as well. I know Darnell Mayberry, who we just recently had on over the athletic wrote uh, a piece kind of looking at the best fits for the bulls. And he was really feeling Obi Toppin, Jonathan Wasserman at Bleacher Report. Uh, apparently people really love Obi Toppin around the NBA in this draft. Like they, they, like they think his flaws are like overhyped. They like just he's a great offensive player. He'll come in and get buckets. 
Uh, he put in his piece that he did today, he wrote about how Obi Toppin could be, the, uh, or the Timberwolves really, really like him, like whether they actually like him at number one or whether they want, they would want to get him to trade down. Uh, I mean, that still seems like he could go maybe as high. I, I don't know. I don't want to say he'll go number one, but like he could go super high. Like he could be in a position where the Bulls could take him as well if he does, doesn't go in the top three. So it just kind of is all over the place. Like I, there's in this draft where there's really no consensus number one guy. Uh, it will be very interesting to see just like how things shake out and like just where the Bulls and just what position they'll be in. Yeah, it's fascinating. I just read that article from uh, John Wasserman on Obi Toppin. And uh, I kind of have a theory on this is like why NBA executives would love Obi Toppin. While I think, you know, a lot of people who are sort of armchair scouts look at Obi Toppin as someone who's like a super flawed player who, you know, might have to be taken off the court in the highest leverage situations. Uh, because that's the that's the thing with Obi Toppin. It's like he was a remarkably efficient and dominant offensive player in college basketball. He was a pretty bad defensive player. He sort of doesn't have a spot defensively in the NBA. He's stuck between a four and a five. And he's also old. He's 22 years old. He is one day younger than Jason Tatum, which I just tweeted out before we started recording <laughs> this podcast. So that gives you some context in terms of, you know, yeah, he was dominant, no doubt, but in a sense, like in a draft where you have so many super young players, he's like, you know, three, four years older than some right. of these guys. So uh, but my, my theory on this is just like Toppin isn't a guy who's going to get you fired as an executive. Right. So I think that that's why executives might like him. You can swing for the fences with someone like, let's say, Isaac Okoro, who might have like a little bit more probability to one day become an NBA star. Uh, if he could, you know, improve his game in certain areas for Coro at shooting, uh, because he just has like the body and the fit and a lot of things that you look for in, you know, a top level NBA prospect. Toppin is certainly, I think, more flawed in in ways. Uh, and obviously, he's older, and that should affect, you know, his evaluation and just like the overall developmental curve that NBA teams are projecting for him. But he's a safe bet to put up numbers. He's a safe bet to not make you look like a huge idiot for going against the grain. Toppin is a projected, probably top five pick at this point. Top six pick would be his projection. And I think if you were to take him in the top six, even if he's the type of guy who needs to be pulled off the floor if you're in the conference finals or something, first of all, like a team drafting him in the top five has so far to go before they get to the conference finals. If the Bulls or the Cavs are taking Obi Toppin, you know, it's worth even de- like it's it's a it's a debate whether or not they should even be factoring in how this guy could help them if they were in the championship series. Right. Like that is just so far in front of these teams that would be taking top. And besides for maybe the Warriors, obviously, who have Stephen Clay coming back next year. Uh, and then like what you get in top. And even if it is a guy who kind of sucks on defense, if he's averaging 20 a game and he's putting up cool dunks and hitting some threes and is just like an efficient offensive player like we expect him to be, then I think that like there's not going to be any pressure from ownership, right? You can always say, well, Obi's averaging 19 and seven, so don't blame me. Like, I don't know why they can't win. I guess we got to fire the coach, right? (laughs) Something along those lines. Uh, In similar thing, I think, with James Wiseman as well, where Wiseman, I think, has... 
a high enough floor, even though like I don't think Wiseman has the ceiling to be a top five pick. That's why I would not take him in the top five. Uh, but I think his floor is high enough where you probably won't look really stupid and get fired if you take James Wiseman in the top five. Probably not. Like he'll likely average 15 and 12 and be one of the league leaders and shot blockers one day. And even if he's exactly like Hassan Whiteside and you took Hassan Whiteside in the top five, I think like really like attuned NBA fans like us and hopefully the people who listen to this show would consider that to be a bad pick if you're getting Hassan Whiteside in the top five <laughs> because he's a guy who might put up numbers, but his impact isn't as significant as those numbers. It's also just kind of goofy. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, there there's like a baseline there where like Wiseman and Toppin – they are projected as top five picks. Uh, so you're not going to have to go against the grain to take them them in that slot. And more likely than not, they're going to put up, you know, box score numbers that will not make them a bust. So I think that, you know, that's why uh, teams are higher on them than like armchair draft experts are. And yeah, then you read that like the Timberwolves are high on top and they're considering taking top and number one. I'm like, Sheesh, could you imagine a Carl Towns top in front court? That would be one of the worst defensive front courts I could think of. Buckets, like, baby. That would Buckets. Just be free lanes to the basket for the opposition all game long. <laughs> They'd be insane on offense, no doubt, especially with Towns' shooting ability and Toppin being able to score in the paint. Uh, it would be a great match on offense and a horrible match on defense, uh, especially with D'Angelo Russell on the perimeter there. They would they really need some a strong perimeter yeah. defense to even have a chance with those two guys in the front court. But uh, that's just kind of my take on it and why I think Toppin is rising uh, for executives while armchair draft guys are a little cooler on him. Yeah. And then, I mean, obviously we do have to consider smoke screens before the draft. Like who knows like how much, what actually out there is true. What like, teams are always putting information out there for a reason. You always have to consider that. Like, so who knows about that kind of stuff? I guess looking still at Denny, and Obi, if you, you mentioned those two guys, you want Kill, you'd like Killian Hayes and the Bulls at four. But if it was between Denny and Obi, who would you prefer? I guess and why? Man, it's a really tough question. I could go either way on this. Uh, I haven't been a super big Denny guy. I, I'm really torn on this. So I, I'm like talking talking it out right now in my head. It's <laughs> like, well, for Denny, I think he has more versatility, and he has a higher potential to like be on the floor in those crucial playoff moments. I think that you can think of him as just like a solid, competent starter, even though I don't think that he has all-star upside. Uh, And to me, like if you're taking a top five pick, why wouldn't you take a swing at a guy with all-star upside? Right. And then you have Toppin who is really good on offense. I think that Toppin's offense in the league is going to be awesome. I think if you put Toppin on a team like the Warriors, Warriors have the second pick. I'm not sure what they will do with that pick. You know, there's been so many leaks coming out of the Warriors with what they're going to do in the run-up to the draft. It's, like, basically hilarious. But I think (laughs) Toppin would kill in that system, for example, just because they have so much perimeter shooting. Well, it's kind of funny. We've heard, I think, some of the leaks that we've heard is that they would like Denny, that they want a wing, that they would take Denny. I think that's where... KOC had, I think he has Denny going to the Warriors in his mock, and that's some of the other like rumors that we've heard. Just kind of interesting. Continue. Yeah. So to answer your question, I don't know, man. I think I feel like I would give you a different answer every day on whether or not I want Denny or Obi. Uh, today I'm gonna say Obi, 
and I might be totally right. wrong on this, but I think his offense could be really, really good. I'm not sure what you do with him defensively because he's pretty brutal, but you know, you try to insulate him with four other good defensive players and you let his offense shine. So I don't know. I'm regretting this as I'm saying it already. I, I guess Maybe just looking at it in a fit with in a fit with the Bulls, like if you're taking just another like offensive stud type, I, except they need offense. They had a terrible offense, but then you like look at on the Bulls, it's like, well, uh, Zach Levine and Kobe White are like offensive first gunners. Uh, Lowry, obviously, I think if you take Obi, you'd probably maybe move Lowry sometime very soon, uh, if not like right away, I would think. But like, so it's like, except they need offense. The Bulls need talent, so it's like, do you take this? Like, does Obi? Would you say Obi has definitely like the higher ceiling than Denny? It's tough to say. Like my take on like I think Denny is a little overvalued in this draft yeah. because I don't really think he has a standout skill, and I think like in the half court. Uh, there's some major questions about his game. Like if you're not the offensive initiator these days, you kind of got to space the floor. And I think his shooting is questionable. Now his shooting touch has looked better in, you know, when his league picked back up after they stopped for the pandemic, you're seeing a lot of videos floating around uh, now of like Denny's jumper in an open gym. It looks better. That can be contrasted against like Devin Vassell's jumper. I was going to bring that up later, but the perfect timing. (laughs) Really bad now. Like he reworked his jumper and now that's super scary. Uh, And, you know, that's something you're going to have to track as draft gets closer, as his career, you know, begins in the NBA. So you don't want to overreact to like, three shots that you see on right. Twitter with Devin Vassell in terms of his new jump shooting form. But looked like shit though. <laughs> it looked weird. Yeah. yeah. It was like giving you some major Michael Bridges flashbacks where Bridges sort of changed his jumper from Villanova to his early days on the Suns. And then Bridges cleaned it up this year, cleaned up the form and Bridges was awesome in the bubble. He looks like he's going to be a really effective player for them long-term. Uh, and yeah, like Denny's release does look better now in an empty gym. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I think that, uh, yeah, I think Obi probably has the higher ceiling, but it can be debated either way. They both have, yeah. uh, to me, Obi is a v- very clear flaws defensively, and it's going to be more about the supporting cast around him to see if he can unlock all his tools. Makes sense. Before we continue, let's take a quick break for a word from our partners, Indeed and Bet Online. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. So right now, Indeed is offering Cash Considerations listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts. That means more quality candidates will see it fast. So try Indeed out with that free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. This offer is valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over and football's back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. 
BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. So head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use that promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We are back. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We are talking about the draft, which is about a month away here, November 18th. Uh, You mentioned the war. We talked about the Warriors a bit. There was an interesting, I don't want to call it necessarily a trade rumor, uh, more like just trade kind of speculation. This was coming from NBC Sports' Tom Habershow was on Bulls podcast with Casey Johnson, kind of speculating. Again, we really don't know what uh, this front office wants to do. But he was kind of speculating that he thinks that the Bulls might want to move up because the Timberwolves might want to trade down. You mentioned the Warriors had so many leaks, so many rumors about them possibly trading out, maybe getting uh, somebody more ready to play. And he says he wouldn't be surprised if you see Chicago move up in the draft. I feel like we kind of talked about possible like trades up to number two, like a, a win now piece. Like, I, I like what do you do? You even see like any trade? Like, the, like, who would the Warriors want from the Bulls? Like, would they try to trade for? I mean, Zach probably not. Which I will get into something. There was an tr- interesting trade scenario, a trade proposal I saw there. I think it was from the Lockdown Bulls guys. But like, would they like Lowry or like I don't like I guess Otto Porter would probably fit in pretty nicely. But like. Like, do you see the Bulls? Like, like how, what, what kind of deal could you see the Bulls and the Warriors possibly working out to get them up to number two? So this is a good moment to plug Stefan No's newsletter on Substack. Stefan uh, is blogging on Substack now. Make sure you subscribe to that. You can tip him there, too. Make sure you do that as well. He wrote a good article today on how the Bulls should approach trade options coming into this draft. And Stefan's takeaway is that there were sort of two types of executives. There's the executive that knows what they want to do coming into the draft, and they're going to be hell-bent on accomplishing it either way. And then there's the executive that is flexible and takes the more advantageous path that, uh, you know, the circumstances allow. So reading that, all I could think about is Bears GM Ryan Pace, (laughs) who I think is, you know, very much like when the Bears were trying to get Mitch Trubisky, he was dead set on coming out of that draft with Mitch Trubisky, whatever it took. You can say the same thing about the Bulls when they traded up for Doug McDermott. I'm sure that the Bulls had no other backup plan and did not care what it cost. <laughs> they just wanted Doug McDermott. Uh, as Stefan mentions in his story, same thing with the Jimmy Butler trade. The Bulls were hell-bent on trading Jimmy Butler, and as soon as they got the first acceptable package, they pulled the trigger on. So Stefan's story says that he thinks that Karnaschovas and Eversley are going to be more flexible based on their previous history, uh, which would be great, right? So like if the Bulls could trade up to number two, if it's a year where like, let's be honest, the top talent isn't very good this year. It's the one thing everyone knows about this draft class. We know that everyone wants to trade down, right? Uh, You could say that about every single team at the top of the draft. Trade down should be their number one option. Well, If everyone wants to trade down, maybe it doesn't cost you so much to trade up. And going from two to four, I think, puts the Bulls in a really premium position to possibly make a move uh, without giving up too much. And Stefan argues that, you know, you could offer the Warriors a second round pick uh, in their choice of Sadoransky or Thad Young to move from four to two. Now, that's not a ton, obviously. I think I mentioned the same thing right after the lottery was over the Bulls should reach out because 
the Warriors are going to try to win a title next year. They need depth that like the end of the Warriors roster, even the middle of the Warriors roster is pretty bad. I think the Warriors would love to get out of Porter and then the Bulls would have to take Wiggins. who still has three years left on his deal. If I'm the Bulls, I want no part of Andrew Wiggins for oh, yeah. three years. But no the question chance. is like, he is so young. Could you possibly like take him and then flip him again? Uh, if you're trying to think two steps ahead. So I do think it would be good for the Bulls, potentially if it's not going to cost you too much to go out and get the second pick. If you can land LaMelo Ball, I think LaMelo Ball is the best prospect in the draft. He's the one player I would have over Killian, uh, but I would not trade Lowry Markinen to do that, right? Like I want another year of Markinen under someone who's not the worst head coach in the league so we can properly evaluate him. Uh, obviously, Markinen had a really disappointing year last year, but there are a lot of built-in excuses, especially with all the instability he's had at head coach. And uh, Yeah, I think that like it would not be worth giving up Markinen to move up two spots, but if it's all, all it's going to cost you is Sadoransky or Thad, then to me, that's a no brainer. Now, you know, if you yeah. have someone like Wiseman, let's say slip to four and some team really likes Wiseman, I think that it would be smart for the Bulls to trade back if they could, you know, accumulate assets. And uh, as long as they're not slipping too far, I guess, like there's not too many logical trade partners. I guess the Knicks have eight and 27. The Celtics have three first-round picks, but it's 26, 30, and I think 14. Uh, so it is going to be tough to find trade partners for every team in the league. Same for the Bulls. But I really like Stefan's bit about being flexible in the draft and not going in with a dead-set plan because we've really seen that uh, come to bite Chicago teams in the ass more often than not over the last few years. Yeah, I mean, just in general, you want to be able to make – decisions on the fly and if you need to change something i mean you definitely being rigid is usually just never a good way to go especially in a situation like this like you want to be able to uh just be able to switch if something happens like a trade in front of you happens or something like that to make a move you should be able to do it um th- th- have you seen this trend i know this somebody tweeted at us and somebody had showed this to me uh, a couple days ago, this trade that's been, I think, this proposed, whatever. Like I said, I think it came from the Locked On Bulls guys. Uh, three-way deal with the Bulls, Warriors, and Nets. This trade would have Zach Levine going to the Nets, because the Nets want a third star to pair with Katie and Kyrie. The Bulls would then get uh, Karis LeVert, the number two pick, and 19. Uh, and then the Warriors would get Jared Allen, so they'd get a big man, and then they'd move back to number four. Who says no in that trade? And would would I guess would you do it yourself if you for the Bulls? Who would say no? I think for me, I guess personally for me, I probably would do it for the Bulls. Uh, and I think probably the Nets would need a little more there. I don't think like giving up Allen Lavert and nineteen is worth Zach Levine. I don't think. I don't know. What do you think? I'm going to need you to paste that trade into Gchat or something for me right now so I can look at it and properly answer that question. But uh, it would be tough to trade Zach if you're keeping four. Wait, no. So I guess the, the you Warriors move up are to getting two. four. You move up to two. So we're trading Zach Levine to move up from four to two. And you're getting Karis Levert and then another first rounder, 19. And then the 19th pick. That's really interesting. Uh I, I don't know. I guess my first reaction is I probably wouldn't do that. But it's interesting. It's definitely 
one that you would really have to think on and sort of analyze from multiple perspectives. It's a it's a great hypothetical trade. Uh, so kudos to whoever came up with that. But I think that yeah, who who would say no to that? So the Bulls are getting two nineteen, man, and and Karis and Karis. I, a lot of it depends on how probably what you think of Karis Levert. I think he's on a pretty affordable deal. He obviously played really well. Had some big games in the bubble without Kyrie and KD. Uh, like maybe the Nets think he can actually be their third star. I'm assuming they will go for somebody a little more proven. I know he's had injury problems. I think he's been kind of overhyped since he came out of Michigan, but he is very talented. Again, he showed some, he had some huge games. So like I, some of it, a lot of it probably depends on what you think of him. Because then like I mean I guess to say you come out of this whatever with Karis Levert, Lamelo Ball, and then whoever you somebody at 19 like. And you're only giving up Zach Levine, and then obviously your tra- number four as well. But if you come out come out of it this draft with Karis Levert, Lamelo Ball, and then the number nineteen pick, and you're losing Zach Levine. Yeah, I guess maybe you do it because, like, I do think that Levine is better than Levert by a pretty yeah. significant margin. I kind of think Levert's pretty overrated, even though I've been a big fan of Levert actually since he was in college. He was one of my guys in that draft back in the day. But uh, Levert is kind of an offensive only player. And I don't know if he like makes teammates better with, by passing the ball. The question is who could you get at 19? Right. And uh, just looking at tankathon right now, there would be like, I don't know if the board's actually going to break this way, but like, you know, Kira Lewis at 19, like they have Tyrese Maxey at 18. They have Pukashevsky at 17. Uh, so potentially you could get someone pretty good at 19. I do think that would be a major asset for the bulls. And I also like, you know, the question is like, Will Zach Levine, who has two years left on his deal, is he going to sign another deal with the Bulls? And then, like, what sort of role is he going to be in on the next good Bulls team? My guess is that the Bulls probably won't have Zach Levine featured as a featured piece uh, the next time they're really good. But I don't know. Like, we can. I mean, a lot could depend on what happens this year. Like, if they're bad again, like, if next year does not go well, like, I mean, don't you think he's probably got to ask out, right? I mean, I, I, I guess depending on how much they'd be willing to pay him. But if it's like the Bulls are not good again next year, like, I don't see why the Bulls would extend big money to a guy who's, even though he's good and we've, I think, come around on him a bit. Like, like are you going to give Zach Levine some massive extension if you're, ba- like, if you've been bad every single year he's been there? And, like, is he going to want to stay in Chicago and play for, keep playing for a team that sucks? Like, I think obviously I think the the future is a bit more promising with this front office and with Billy Donovan, but you have to wonder what he's thinking about it as he gets closer. To I wouldn't. I think that like what he's going to want is the money, and yeah. I don't think that like I I believe that Zach might have a little bit of Lillard in him, where he might rather like be the guy on yep. his own team and try to win than like. So if he goes and changes teams, and then he's going to have to find a team who's willing to give him. $30 million or whatever, $25 million a year. He's definitely going to get a raise, you would think, right? So, sure. like, oh, yeah. Beans have been pretty good on this contract. Uh, I believe he's, like, the 60th highest-paid player in the league, right? Yeah, and something like that, $19 million a year. It's very for The production he's giving you, it's pretty solid. It's fine. Totally yeah. fine. It's not a drastic overpay by any means. You can probably argue it's an underpay. I would say it's an about a fair contract for yeah. Zach Levine. But what's his next contract going to be? Right. I mean, he'll be probably looking for like a near max deal and just, I mean, are you willing to pay that for a guy who has never, never won? And I don't want to put it all on him. Obviously, his circumstances have not been good on a rebuilding Timberwolves team with a lot of young talent, just super raw. And then now with the Bulls coming off a torn ACL, like, and his teammates around him bad. But I mean, he's never really lifted. I mean, he's not a guy that 
has lifted like teams. Like he has his big scoring games, but like again, we we t- we talk about the sad nauseum. Like in terms of being the number one initiator who can lift your team to be way better offensively, and then obviously he has the defensive problems. So, like, are you paying that kind of guy? Thirty million dollars. I would also be really disappointed if the Bulls did that trade, and then Lamelo went number one. Yeah. So true. now yeah. you're like sitting there with the second pick, and Anthony it's like, Edwards. Damn, like, I would take <laughs> Killian too. Yeah. Uh, but Killian and Anthony Edwards, they're like pretty similar in terms of uh, where I would have them on my board. In terms of their playing style, they're they're not really similar at all. Even though they're like pretty much the same size, they're both guards. Uh, but they have totally different games. Edwards is like a hyper explosive athlete, 10 out of 10 NBA athlete who could be like a awesome NBA scorer, but he has real questions uh, in terms of his feel for the game that shows up on both ends of the floor defensively. I think like Edwards defensively is going to be at a steep learning curve in the NBA. Like people talk about LaMelo's defensive question marks more, I feel like, but I think LaMelo's going to be a better defensive player early in his career than Anthony Edwards is going to be. I think Edwards is going to be like pretty brutal on that end. Whereas Hayes, we've talked about him a bunch, but he projects as like a really good, I think, defensive player, super smart help defender uh, who might not have like the takeover one-on-one scoring ability, but I think still projects as a plus offensive player for a variety of reasons. So it would be tough to do that deal and then see LaMelo go. If I'm trading up, LaMelo is the guy I'm targeting all day. And I don't think that LaMelo is like a surefire bet to be a great player. He certainly has a ton of risk. He has more risk than your typical player who's going to go one or two, I think. Uh, But I also think he has the highest talent, the most talent in the draft, the highest ceiling. And if he reaches his potential, should be the best player in this draft class. Uh, You know, assuming... Uh, you know, the, the, he can work on some of his flaws and actually hit what we believe his potential to be. So uh, I don't know. Those are all good questions. Yep. Uh, last draft here, our thing here before we kind of wrap up this pod uh, from the same guy who brought us this, uh, this trade idea. This is give a shout out to at bulls, Wisco bulls fan, Wisco on Twitter. Uh, he has, he had a question about Tyrese Halliburton and we did talk about him a bit when we had Brian Schroeder at Cosmos on, uh, I thought I saw something. Did he have a weird shooting video coming out? I know he's his shots is kind of funky in general, right? Was there something with him out there too? Like what player the, the is this? What what player is this? Halliburton. Oh, Halliburton. Uh, yeah. So like Halliburton. Yeah, there was a empty gym video of Halliburton. Yeah. Too. Okay. Um, Halliburton's a guy who just like didn't take a lot of shots off the dribble or like any mid range shots in college. He was pretty much a catch and shoot threes guy. Uh, also didn't do a ton in terms of like attacking the basket. That's one of his, his big flaws. Uh, I know there has been, you know, people have been asking us what we think of Halliburton on the bulls. I would not take him in number four. No way. Like I think that he could be a good player in the right system, but, uh, to me, like he has a total inability to put pressure on the opposing defense because he's not one of these guys that's going to like break down the defense off the dribble, get to the rim, uh, and then, you know, when the defense collapses on him, uses vision to kick out. Like if you don't have the ability to put pressure on the rim, which I really don't think Halliburton has, that sort of limits your passing ability. Right. So I do think that like, while he is a, he's a good stationary player, he's a good stationary passer, stationary shooter. Uh, but in terms of being like, uh, a worthy of the number four pick, I don't really see it for him. I would take a bunch of guys over him. 
So I guess if, if say the Bulls did trade back to whatever seven, eight, just mid lottery, would you take him there, or would you still? I mean, there would still be elsewhere? other guys I would want. I would still take Tyrese Maxey over him. I would still take. Uh, you know, I would probably even talk myself into Patrick Williams over him from Florida State, the combo forward. Like, there's just a lot of guys in that range. Kira Lewis is another one. You'd have to figure out what you're going to do with Kobe, but I mean, Vassell as well. Vassell for probably sure. In that area. Yeah, I, I wouldn't take Halliburton. He's not one of my guys in this draft. Fair enough. Uh, do you have any leftover draft thoughts here before we wrap up? I wanted to wrap up real quick though with some bear stuff, but any last uh, draft thoughts here? I, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Intel guys are saying over the next couple of weeks, because uh, to this point, like we still have no idea what the wolves are going to do. Right. Like we have, we yeah. have no clue. Right. Uh, and then There's the been a lot of smoke coming out about them wanting to trade for like a proven star. Maybe the bulls could go trade them. Zach. I don't know what they, there you go. the bulls can go trade up the number one. Zach Levine returns to the Timberwolves. That'd be funny. <laughs> Uh, Get Jared Culver, your guy. Number one in uh, Jared Culver for Zach Levine. For foreign Zach? Yeah. I mean, I'd be down with that probably. <laughs> and then you got the Warriors who everything is leaking from the Warriors. But we there's been so many leaks that it's like to the point of farce at, the, at this point, And we just have no idea what they're going to do. And then you got MJ picking number three <laughs> for Charlotte. And that's always a wild card. Like I could see them taking – Probably whoever of the top three prospects uh, and we're putting Wiseman in there falls to them and then the ball. So uh, I feel like because the season just ended, there still hasn't been a ton of information, a ton of buzz around this draft. Uh, and I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens in the next few weeks in terms of just the intel that we start to get. Yeah, absolutely. And we will continue to talk about that over these next few weeks. As I mentioned, as I teased, let's wrap up here with, uh, some quick thoughts about your five and one Chicago Bears. How they're five and one? It's still kind of crazy. What is your like confidence level in this team? Like, are they? Do you think they're actually good? Uh, they have some really tough games coming up, but they just beat the Panthers, a pretty solid Panthers team uh, in Carolina yesterday. Their defense is is one of the best in the league. You could argue. I think it was. I don't know if it was Adam Johns or Adam Hogue. One of those Adams in the Chicago media called them the best defense in the league. What is your confidence level in this goofy ass bears team? Not high. Which <laughs> there's still a decent chance they miss the playoffs, even though they're five and one, their schedule coming up. It's brutal. going to be pretty tough. And I think this Rams game is going to be a big win or a, a big game for them to try to get a win uh, that, you know, could possibly set the course for the rest of the season. But I don't have much trust in the bears. What, what kills me is that I think they're poorly coached. Nagy has to have the lowest approval rating of any five and one coach that I can remember. There's just so many stupid play calling errors. They had 12 men on the field twice. They got a delayed game out of a timeout in the first quarter, I think. Uh, yep. Yep. So I have no faith in Nagy to be a high level head coach. And, you know, you look at how Mike Vrabel sort of outsmarted the Texans on Sunday to keep the Titans undefeated. Like, I just don't think that the Bears have that kind of leadership with Nagy. Uh, I feel like with him, he seems like a coach who's like great at like motivating and like keeping them together and like having a good locker room and like maybe like preparation. It just seems like he melts down uh, during games and just like totally loses it and gets too cute with this. You mentioned the play calling like that was a tour in the fourth quarter. It's third and two. You're trying to run the clock out. I think that Panthers had one time out left and they, and they throw a pass, and I know they're. I know the run game sucks, and that's like a huge story with the Bears. But like, 
everyone was just like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing that stuff? And you mentioned the other sloppiness. Like, he just seems like the game day aspect of his coaching is just very lacking. Yeah. And so that's tough. And then, like, the offense is still so bad. Like, (laughs) even with Foles in there, the Bears are still getting, like, five yards per passing attempt or something. I don't have the exact number in front of me. But it's just always pathetic. They cannot move the ball through the air whatsoever. I do have more faith in Foles than Mitch, but, you know, you're also losing the scrambling aspect with Foles in there. Like, at least Mitch could make a play on the ground. Uh, Now, Mitch was, like, too scared to run in his second season. Mitch did have some big runs this year before he got pulled. But I kind of think that handicaps the offense, too. Like, at least have a scrambling quarterback in there who could do something. Foles can't really do that, but I still think that Foles was the right decision for the team. Because it just feels like you're not waiting for the guillotine to drop with Foles, right? Where with Mitch, you're always like, okay, when's the back-breaking mistake going to come? And Foles well, threw a terrible interception. In I say, that interception yesterday is one of the worst you'll ever see. Like, just, what was it, like a back foot, just like throw prayer? Like, that was right after the Bears had forced a turnover. And it was just like, what are you, what are you doing, man? Like, that was one of the worst throws I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. So I don't have much faith in the Bears. Yeah, but I mean, I, I will say I think with I think with Foles, like it clearly in terms of like his like veteran leadership and like his smarts running the team. And j- I know we made that big mistake, but I think just like like seeing stuff and like recognizing stuff for the most part. Uh, I think what was it the was it the Buccaneers game when like the the route he checked to to Dave Montgomery on that wheel route just kind of shows like Foles like recognizing stuff like that and just like, in terms of his leadership, like he had this he gave like a huge passionate speech after the game yesterday, just like really fired up. And I think that kind of stuff is clearly like. Where you see like Foles having the edge because Mitch is just like so often just like a deer in headlights. His recognition of defenses sucks, and while like talent wise, he's definitely obviously higher. Like the upside is higher. At some point, you just can't wait on that. When especially when you have a Super Bowl caliber defense. So ultimately, you're probably right. Like I mean, they are five and one. They're stacking wins, but again, yeah, they play the Rams coming up. I think they play the Titans and Saints after that. Something like that. Like I was looking this looking at the schedule. Like I'm hoping that they can get to ten and six go five and five the rest of the year, like split your games against the Packers, win at least one against Minnesota. You got to win two like, against Minnesota. I mean, the, yeah, I know Minnesota is horrible, but I feel I still like those division games. Like I can see them easily losing one, but just like when just split those Minnesota Packers games at the very least, you beat the Lions again and think maybe win one of these next three games. And then I think that gets you to 10. So you like bank these wins. If you get in the playoffs, like anything could happen. I'm assuming if they do get in the playoffs, the offense being shit will completely doom them uh, again, which I mean, we're so used to it at this point, like a, a championship caliber Bears defense not being able to win a Super Bowl because the offense is terrible. I mean, we've lived through that our whole life. We're just seeing it again. Uh, but the, I mean, the, I'm not going to complain about the fact that they're five and one. Like I, we can make jokes and complain about Nagy's coaching and all that and their shitty offense, but they are still five and one. It's better than them being like the two and four that they could be easily could be they have gotten pretty lucky but uh i'll take five and one or like i said over two and four or something well, like at that. least we still have a reason to watch the season yeah, you know what i mean right. like so that's been good but i almost worry that like the defense is gonna set up to be blamed like one day like w- there'll be a time when the defense does allow a touchdown you know late in the game and it's gonna be like well maybe the defense isn't that elite but the thing with the Bears is they just have such a small margin for error because the offense is among the worst offenses in the league. So the defense has to play perfect and they can play perfect for, you know, 
a stretch of five, six games in a row against lesser competition. But eventually, like, I don't think this defense is at the level of the 2006 team that took the Bears to the Super Bowl. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. I don't think they're as good as they were two years ago. And even and even that defense gave up that late touchdown too. Nick Foles, like they took the lead. Mitch actually had that nice drive, I think, and they took the lead in the fourth quarter. And they needed one big stop, and Nick Foles drove the Eagles down the field to score a touchdown against that elite defense, which was one of the like best. I think was the best defense in the league that season. So like, yeah, margin for error is definitely very small. And like, there are just times where you have a breakdown, and then they lose it, and it sucks. <laughs> Point is, Bears. We got no faith in you. Prove us wrong, Bears. <laughs> and they're doing it so far, right? Like, yeah. who would have thought this team would be 5-1? and one, yeah. But Back the wins. It's really all they can do at this point. Like, we'd love to see them be prettier. We'd love to see the offense score more points. We'd love to see Nagy not have his head up his ass half the time. But they're 5-1. and one. Uh, well, Like I said, we'll see. Like, these next couple weeks, we'll really get a good gauge on how good they actually are. Like I said, if they can give me if they can give me one win and at least stay competitive and not like get totally pantsed in these games, like I think I'd probably be happy with that. Are, and then do they beat the Rams? Give me a prediction. I would guess no. I'm just I think it'll yeah. probably be very similar to these last two games they played against the Rams, just completely ugly, low scoring. Like we saw yesterday, Jared Goff and some of these big games we saw it in the Super Bowl. We've seen it against the Bears in a couple of years where he just completely sucks. Like he, he, he's really interesting because he has games where like he looks unbelievable and that offense looks unbelievable. And then like yesterday, bad. Uh, these couple games against the Bears the last couple of years, the, the game two years ago where the Bears won fifteen to six. I mean, they just completely rocked him. They completely owned him. And even the game last year, I think it was last year, the Bears lost like seventeen to seven because the offense was terrible. But they shut down the Rams offense. So I would expect to see probably another low scoring affair like that but i would guess the bears lose but i mean they certainly i think they could win it was i just don't have that much faith in jared goff to like tear the bears defense up yeah it's gonna have to be an ugly game for the bears to win right and the bears have had yeah. success with rams in the past so i certainly worry about aaron donald just mauling especially with no james daniels in the middle and the offensive line i i mean the bears offensive line is not they have not run blocked well i worry about aaron Donald just destroying the middle of that offensive line. So hopefully that doesn't happen, but I don't have my hopes of. We'll see, man. Go Bears. Yeah. We'll see. Go Bears. Go Bears. All right. That is up. That is all for us this week here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Go check out all the other great pods across our network. We have with we got NFL pods, we got all the other NBA pods. Obviously, with the draft coming up, there'll be plenty of great NBA tra- draft talk. Across the network. Uh, shout out to our sponsors, Indeed and Bet Online. And for us, obviously, you can you know where to find us on Twitter. Uh, rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. Let us know how we're doing. If you have any ideas, if you have any questions, we will we'll be happy to answer them on future podcasts. Uh, so for Jason and Ricky, this has been Cash Considerations, Ishi Wolves Podcast. Talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.